Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Scott Turman. It's a sniper rifle, not a shotgun. And if you write a book for everybody, you've written a book for nobody. You really should try to write a book for less than 5,000 people in the entire world. Because when they read it, they should think, this book is written for me. Everything that this person's saying sings to me because I have these problems. How did I reach these conclusions? What is the problem? How do I solve it? It's, it's a very similar kind of you know, recipe for writing a book. And in my opinion, you, you've really got to write it for that exact target market if you're going to succeed. Hi there, and welcome to the Personal Brand Entrepreneur Show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. And if you're new to the show, take a second while you have the app open and just hit play also hit the subscribe button and if you're on an iphone that's the plus or the follow icon that way you won't miss another episode before i jump into introducing this week's guest just a quick reminder once again that after nearly 200 of these interviews i've learned a thing or two about what makes the personal brand business work online and it turns out the success does leave clues and i want to offer you a map so if you head over to my website you can grab your copy of the personal brand business roadmap. It's everything you need to start, scale, or just fix your personal brand business. And it's yours for free as a gift from me. Now, as everybody's probably aware, personal brand business is all about building your authority. This is really what's at the foundation of it. Once you have your authority, you can focus on building your visibility, and then you can work on your profitability and through monetization. But at the very heart of this is your authority. And the root of the word authority is author or have I got it the other way around I'm not sure but what I know for sure is that when I hear somebody's an author I pay attention I listen to them I take them a bit more seriously and I take at face value that they are probably an expert in whatever it is they've been writing about so books authorship and demonstrating your leadership is something that I pay attention to so this week I am thrilled to welcome Scott Terman to the show. Scott's business is really focused on authors and authorships. And this is something that's on my mind a lot. It's something that always impresses me. So Scott, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about. Thank you for having me. So for the listener who doesn't know you, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what it is you do in this particular space. Well, my name is Scott Terman. I reside in Maitland, Florida, which is just north of Orlando. And for 25 years, I've been just building software and technology and teams. And I started at NASA 25 years ago and then kind of worked my way through the Fortune 500s and 50s and 10s in and around Florida. And then about two and a half years ago, I realized I was sick to death of technology. And I've been trying to write a book for a bazillion years. And I kind of, I had contacted someone who was, you know, had been written a lot of books and, you know, it was kind of the height of COVID. And we had kind of worked out this process of, of, of basically her interviewing me, uh, who is, she's an actual, you know, an actual writer where I am simply an entrepreneur and I kind of see the, the angles and I know how to hire people and do payroll and pay taxes and all those kind of things. You know, uh, Zoe Rose, my business partner, is the kind of the, the brains behind uh, the actual process of this push and pull process of, of, of writing a book. And uh, we worked out this process where through weekly interviews, we just kind of pull the book out of the subject's head. Three to four months later, you have a manuscript. We have editors and, and writers and all the things that go along, go along with it, sand it down, make a cover, and then publish it. 
but so yeah so i've been long story short you know two two and a half years ago uh i had a midlife crisis decided i want to do something different and here we are i think there's an awful lot to unpack there and i'm going to start at the beginning one of the things that struck me doing my research was you're a dyed in the world nerd which i love that's a fact fact. (laughs) and that caught my attention for a few reasons because within the personal brand business world i think there's a lot of people come from arts backgrounds they come from their creative industries or they come from business but the the people with a deep tech background they tend to stay in the shadows a lot of the time they don't normally like the limelight so i am interested to pick into that a little bit with you I'm also quite interested to find out specifically how that was for you as a person, because there's also quite a shift in terms of a change of identity there, which I think is important for a lot of people to understand, because pivots can be painful for lots of different reasons, practically, but also emotionally. And and that change of identity, especially for somebody that has always been a developer, to suddenly have an identity that's something slightly different from that, that's a a bit of a jolt, I imagine. But let's start with the books side of things. You said you were trying to write a book for a bazillion years. So for the listener who maybe isn't quite in the place where they've decided a book is a good idea, what was it that that triggered the, the desire to write the book? Never mind the actual process of it. Why a book for you? So at the time I had 18 employees, technology employees, and been doing that for 10 years as kind of a consulting company. And at that time, and still to this day, it's very difficult to find engineers, developers, to hire them. A, they're very expensive, and B, they're, uh, they're a little, the trust needs to be kind of gained and built you know, before they'll just jump, you know, jump, in the, jump on a contract with you, so to speak. So I decided the best way to earn their trust was I was going to write a book on salary negotiation for nerds. <laughs> it's the one area that we do terribly because we're just, you know, we're fairly trusting folks and the technical recruiters of the world and HRs of the world. Um, they're there to try to drive you down, basically get you for, you know, as low as they can, which is diametrically opposed to what you're trying to do, which is try to make the most money. So I wrote a book and I, I don't know how much, I, I don't know how family friendly. It's fine. You can do it. Is. It's fine. I know okay. what you're talking about. You go for it. Okay. So the, the name of the book was uh, Stop Getting fucked by technical recruiters, uh, nerd's guide to salary negotiating and benefits. It, it, it basically was kind of a, a way of, of, of trying to get the technologists of the world and the, the nerds of the world to kind of trust me that I was, I had their best interests in mind. And, uh, you know, I mean, I sold a couple thousand of those books, you know, in about four or five month period of time, you know, on, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and such. And, it, it definitely allowed me to expand my business at the time. I really had that need, and that was my impetus for writing. Now, what I didn't realize was that it did way more than what I originally thought it would. Well, for instance, if you do a search for my name, Scott Terman, on Google, you'll see that Google places me almost has gives my own knowledge panel. It's almost like how Google gives a shortcut for people's information. There's my pictures, my name. I think it says author, entrepreneur. It's, I mean, it's, it's very similar to an actual famous person, which I am not. And I started kind of digging into it and branding and kind of understanding how, what the heck just happened. You know, I started getting these interviews and that I, I never, I could never get before. Uh, I started getting quoted in newspapers and, and magazines such. I could never get that done before. And it turns out when people were looking me up or these, these, uh, these reporters were looking me up, 
Google would show them, oh, look, it's Scott Turman, this yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, basically the, uh, owning my own brand. Um, and then I kind of backed into this kind of larger world of personal branding. And, and here we are, um, you know, a couple of years later, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's where I want to be. I mean, all I do is I, all I do is interview astronauts and senators and entrepreneurs and, and really amazing <laughs> people for this, you know, it's, it's really my full-time job now. Nice. I had a look at these knowledge panels earlier today. I was reading what you were, you'd written about those and I'll be honest, I didn't quite get to the bottom of it yet, but I get the impression you, you, they have to pull data from significant sources. It's not something that you can just rock up and create yourself. So no, you can, you could trigger them. There is a man by the name of Jason Bernard, uh, who's an Englishman. We helped develop his book six months ago. And he is basically kind of the world authority on this subject. And it's, it's, it's his, his even, the, even the Google leadership looks at him as the, the, the kind of world authority in this area. And he does not work for Google. So you, you're basically teaching Google. Think of, think of Google as, as, a, as a, a child and you're teaching them about your name. You know, Bob Gentle. We're, we're basically trying to, to teach this little baby who you are, what you do. And as you train it, they, they, you know, the Google wants to present you. Once they have those facts about you, so if you if you basically serve them up correctly and you have enough corroborating evidence, it'll trigger that knowledge panel, and that goes with you know all of your it's kind of a circular firing squad of your social media is all all pointing to each other. You're using the same profile picture and and all that kind of stuff. It's it's kind of a it, and it, by the way, being an author is the easiest way of doing it. But if you want to do it the hard way, there's other ways of doing it. I'm not a fan of the hard way. However, writing a book <laughs> is kind of the hard way, right? So it's, I don't think writing a book is anybody's idea the easy way. But let's talk about writing a book the easy way because as somebody who's, well, I'd say maybe a quarter of a way through a book, it's not easy. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about the alternatives to just doing everything yourself. Obviously, everything costs money, but the, the end result is what's important. So what does your process look like and how would it differ as an experience from simply grinding it out yourself and i guess an important element of this is i do wonder where if if you're not going through the seven fires of hell to get to the end with your book does the end result suffer and i i don't have an answer to that question but i'm interested in your perspective so the way that bright ray well the way that we operate is we're we're, we're think of it as a writing team you know, everybody on the team has written multiple books. Everybody on the team has a degree in the relevant topics. And everybody there is trained on how to kind of coax the best out of you. If you were to write a book on your own, you know, it, it's going to take a while, A. And B, it's not going to be your full-time job, right? Unless you're in the business of being an author. And it, it, with the team, they can kind of, kind of poke and prod the facts that you may or may not have saw as being relevant. They could, we could figure out that thesis that you may have not even thought was the right thesis because ultimately these books are not what they appear to be. Most people from the outside look at them as this, this, uh, this achievement and it is, but I look at it a different way. I look at it as a foundation to a brand. I look at these books as simply the starting point to building a personal brand for the writer. And it's, 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 you know, and with that said, you've got to write that book through the lens of the, the reader. And we, we were able to figure all that out and define that where the average person's sprite in their first book would never even go that way. We would never think of that. 
they would never even understand where to, to begin unless they had kind of really invested the time in, in learning how the, the process works of writing a book. And but you know, we're all novices on our first book, right? How would we know? We've never done it before. Whereas our, you know, our team has done it a ton of times. But me as my first time author, I had no idea what I was doing. It took Zoe Rose, who had written a ton of books, you know, to, to walk, you know, to kind of coax the best out of me. And, you know, that, that's, that the seven fires of hell, as you describe it, that is, that is a pretty good way of doing it. But, you know, I think a writing team with the experience is going to get the best out of you. I think it's all, it also depends on who you are, why you're writing the book, and what your goal is. If you're, if you're a business owner and you take efficiency seriously and you delegate, then working with a team to produce your book makes perfect sense. If, if you're a starving business owner or somebody that's at the very beginning of their journey and you look at a book as a, as a route to growing your authority, then maybe you are going to have to, to sort of tough it out. But if you have a modestly successful business, it does make sense to bring people in to help you get to the result rather than giving up the thing that really is your zone of genius, potentially for three to six months in order to get the same result, how much opportunity cost are you wasting, I guess? Right. And also, what are the odds of it being any good? What are the odds of you keeping on focus? <laughs> what are the odds of you telling a story correctly and uh, and, and doing it in such a way that's that's entertaining? The odds are very low. Yeah. I'd, cl- I'd say they eclipse, they're, they're very close to zero uh, of that book being amazing. The first time. Now, the second time you're going to get, you know, if you were doing this on your own, you'd maybe have an editor. You may, you'd probably have someone you do the project with. You'll get it right, but it'll just going to take a little bit longer to get it right the first time. And that, that's kind of what we do is we, we get it right the first time. If you maybe just explain to me what the process would look like if Bob Gentle comes along and says, I have this idea for a book. What does the conversation that follows look like? Typically, the very first, that very, you know, we've already, we've already gotten past the, you know, all, we've all agreed that, you know, Bright is going to help you write your book. And that's like that day one, you know, the first three to four meetings is going to be working out a thesis. What is the thesis? What is it you're trying to teach people and why does that have value? But more importantly, what are those goals of the book? Is it to get more business for your, for your, for your company? Is it simply some kind of way of, you know, kind of living a markable world and maybe, you know, you know, kind of living a legacy? What exactly is the book for? And, you know, most of the time, 80, 90% of the time, it's, it's to close more business and or to open more doors, right? So that thesis takes a while to get just right. And then that lens of who the actual reader is going to be takes a bit, takes a while to get correct too. Oh, well, I'm in the HR business. Okay, well, you know, you're looking for, you know, HR professionals is kind of the person you're trying to reach, or I'm an accounting professional and I'm looking for people, founders of companies to use, right? Well, the founders are probably the customer you're trying to, who will be reading this. That is your target audience. Well, what needs to be written for that target audience. And, you know, that back and forth takes a while to get just right. I don't often ask questions about money on the show, but I think my listener wouldn't really forgive me for not asking what for them is probably a really obvious question. Obviously, we're talking about a lot of work here. This isn't something you can just do in a weekend. And if you're doing it yourself, like I said, it's a three to six month job. So if you are delegating something that for you would be a three to six month job, you've got to expect it to cost some money. And the end result is a very valuable thing if you've done it right. So what kind of budget should people be thinking of? What sort of budget range if they're looking to bring in someone like you to work on a book with them? What is 
a sensible ballpark for them. So the the sensible ballpark, if they've got, a, if they basically show up with a with a, a broad understanding and thesis, and basically in hand, you know, they they kind of understand the general outline of what they're doing, meaning that you know, well, you know, I'm writing this book to get more business for X or Y, kind of starting from scratch. Because remember, we're building a product together. Yeah. We charge twenty five k, twenty five thousand U S dollars over a four to five month period of time. And that's if it's four months, it's six thousand two hundred fifty bucks a month for four months, you know. And and it it it's just kind of a range, you know. Is is the our next closest competitor, I believe, is sixty thousand, and then the next closest competitor beyond that, it's one hundred twenty thousand. So you know, our kind of range is between twenty and thirty five, depending on the length and breadth of the book. It isn't actually all that expensive when you know what the market looks like. I mean, I know other people in your space who do similar things. It won't be the same thing. And your pricing is, is where I would have expected it to be. The reason I ask is purely for the listener to, to break any assumptions that they might have that it's either way more or any sort of fantasy that it might be five grand because that's just unrealistic. I, I know what it costs just to hire an editor to go through, the, go through your work afterwards. And that's going to cost you five grand. So I think... The, the vast... The vast majority of the people doing this, they're called ghostwriters. We're not ghostwriters. We, we do this through an interview process, right? A ghostwriter is going to come to you with a list of questions. They're going to try to form this very vague kind of thesis, and they're going to pump out 30,000, 40,000 words you know, with a little bit of back and forth. They're going to have you read it. You're going to approve it, and you're going to move on. We do weekly yeah. interviews. Where we're literally pulling out every single thought and thesis and chapter outline out of your head, and that is not the same as a ghostwriter. We, we are not ghostwriters. We are kind of writing partners. Yeah. I think it's important to maybe look at what this can do for you. So you've you've gone through the work, you've produced the book. We've done this because we want to establish that authority in the personal brand. We want people to connect with us differently. We want people to understand us differently. What do you have any sort of anecdotes of this was somebody's life before, this was somebody's life afterwards? I mean, you obviously have your own story. But how has that been for some other people you know? So it, it, it all depends, right? There's some people come to us who are already, you know, who are just recently retired from a Fortune 500 or 50 or 10. Um, and they're typically, typically, they're just trying to go to their next life. And this book is kind of that vector, that bridge into their next consulting career or whatever it is they're doing. And a lot of those those types already have a following. They already have you know, tens of thousands of people they can kind of go go to. And this book is just kind of that social proof, right? There's the small business entrepreneur, you know, who has a business and simply wants to be known for, I don't know, pick a subject, technology, security as an example. And this book is a vector onto speaking circuit. It's, it's a way to get that knowledge panel triggered. Uh, so when people look you up, you know, that what is a fallacy of uh, appeal to authority, right? Google's the authority. They look you up on, uh, on that authority and they find your own knowledge panel. That That is, that is you've won the branding game as far as I can tell. So my definition of personal branding, probably not the same as everybody's everybody else's. My definition of personal branding is a verb. It's the act of creating a brand, a personal brand. It's not what you find. It's the every day, every day, all the hours it takes and the actual act of creating that brand. And if you've triggered that knowledge panel and you, you, and you control that top 50 of Google, and every time someone drills into any of those links, they find you quoted on Forbes 
or Wall Street Journal, you've won the personal branding game because they would want to do business with you. you you've, you've shaped that, what they find and you know, that, that actual act of shaping it. And, and the outcome is they want to do business with you because you've, you've all the correct, you know, um, all the correct signaling has been done. I have a really useful story here. I used to have an office which was next door to our car valley um, or car valet. I don't know how you say it in the US. This is a company that cleans very expensive cars. And right. there was a guy came in with a really nice Ferrari. And I was in having my car, which was not expensive, cleaned it. I just happened to be next door and I got a good deal. I got a good deal. But I got speaking to the guy with a Ferrari and I said, what is it you do? He said, oh, I, I wrote a book. And he gave me this book. It was maybe half an inch thick, tiny little book about customer service. He said, I wrote this book and I haven't had to do a single piece of marketing since then. I just go around the world talking about customer service. Inquiries, they come out of nowhere. I send people this book and it just turns into money. It's amazing. Best thing I ever did. And I've never forgotten that. And I now know an awful lot of authors. The authors that have been on this show, they're very, very smart people. But I know lots of authors who are not that smart, but they still have incredible businesses driven by books that are okay. And I think this is for me the really powerful thing in a book about writing a book is it does stamp your credibility in a way that nothing else can. I just thought it was an important thing to reinforce. And yes, you're absolutely right. It does craft a personal brand like nothing else can really. Yeah, if you if you were to say a personal brand is is what people say about you when you're not in the room, this book is out there talking about you a lot, loudly. And not much else can really be the silent ambassador for you in the same way that that book can. Yeah, that's it's interesting. So when someone would apply to my to my technology company, the very first thing I would do is I would FedEx them, and I wanted them right. I'd FedEx them a copy of my negotiating book, right? So they would kind of gain that instant credibility and trust for them to come work for me. You know, when now and when we have the inbound calls and we have these kind of Zoom calls with these prospective authors for the first time. The very first thing I do is I FedEx them a copy of our book, right? How to build a brand with a book is the name of it. It helps close business. It's that's the primary value, in my opinion. Is obviously, like you said, it's 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 constantly singing your praises from the highest mountaintops. But but it's also a good closer, right? No one's expecting that to come. No one's expecting a FedEx copy of the book of the guy that you're talking to or doing business with, you know, in the mail three days after you talk to them. It's a kind of a powerful way of kind of keeping the door open, you know, for whatever it is that you're trying to sell or whatever expertise you're trying to claim or whatever brand you're trying to, you know, portray. Yeah. They're going to have to want very hard to climb past you to somebody else in order to make that effort because, yeah, you really have put yourself in a category of, well, maybe not in your space, a category of one, because I imagine that's a tactic that's quite commonly employed. But the fact is you're the one that sent them the book. And that's a very intimate play, really. Yeah. We have a few people that we've written books for that I have NDAs with. And to be, I guess I'll try to be as vague as I can. The book was, they wrote the book uh, <clears throat> as simple as, as for, like, you know, maybe 20 or 30 people on the entire planet because they, you know, they were trying to become their family office. I don't know if you've ever heard or know what a family office is, but it's, it is where a exceedingly wealthy person or family has full-time staff doing nothing but managing their wealth 
And right. all yeah. you need to do is gain one is grab is, is land one of those clients. So this person wrote this book for like 20 people in the entire world because it only he only had to land one of them to become a multimillionaire. It's, right. it's like a it's a it's a sniper rifle, not a shotgun. And if you write a book for everybody, you've written a book for nobody. If you're, you know, you, you really should try to write a book for less than 5,000 people in the entire world, because when they read it, they should think this book is written for me and only me. I am, I am this, this, everything this person's saying sings to me because I have these problems. Hero's journey. How did I reach these conclusions? What is the problem? How do I solve it? It's, it's a very similar kind of, you know, recipe for writing a book. Uh, and, and, and in my opinion, you, you've really got to write it for that exact target market if you're going to succeed. Oh, and then on top of all that, you get the recognition, the things you need, you know, is, is kind of quality signaling to the rest of the world as big an author. Yeah. And I think to put the, the money in context, I've been in coaching programs that cost a little bit less than that, but not much. And the end result most people would get to after a year of talking about building their personal brand was, you know what, I think I maybe need to write a book. And you spend all that money to get to that conclusion. So why not start spending the money and just do it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is, and that's a, it's, it's, it's a scary process, right? It's uh it's cause you're also kind of bearing your soul, you know, to the team. I mean, that's, that's also kind of scary as well. I mean, it takes, it, it's kind of this kind of trust relationship. It's got to be built up, but by the end of it, you know, the team knows you almost as well as anybody in the world knows you. And it's kind of a scary process. Now, unrecognizing that that book has that much value that you've got, you've really got to jump on it. It's a lot quicker way of getting there. You know, that brand recognition, writing that book is the quickest way to get that brand recognition, where it, sometimes it takes a while to, to kind of learn that. So one of the things that I see a lot and hear a lot at the moment is AI writing tools. And there's one very big AI writing tool, probably the market leader is regularly talking about how their their clients are using it to write books. And I I look at that and I've tried these AI writing tools. When it produces a piece of content for me, I think, yeah, it, it, it looks very clever. The text reads well, it's, it's punchy and poppy. And yeah, it's logical. It kind of makes sense. But it's not me. I didn't write that. If the AI tool hadn't come up with it, I would never have said it. I would never even have gone there. So why would I put this out into the world? Now, I know working with a team like yours is quite different. There's no AI. But how do you ensure that you still capture the essence and the spirit and the voice of that person that you are working with? How does the spirit still come through? We spend an inordinate amount of time learning that, that person's voice. There's a couple of ways of doing that. You know, when we, when we do the Zoom calls, every single word is, is obviously recorded we have a bot that goes back in and separates out the interviewer and the interviewee. So it'll just, you know, it'll say Bob Scott, Bob Scott, everything you said, everything I said, it'll actually turn it into text. You can run that through a histogram or a bar chart and I can see the phrases and words that you use the most. And I can kind of get an understanding of these cyclical kind of phrases and phrasing that you use. I mean, it's to the point when that, that first chapter is exceedingly important to get just right. Because once we get the tone right, the whole book will be correctly toned, right? It'll sound like the person that we're writing the book with. And also remember, we're not ghostwriting this. We are, we are simply, we are coming up with the ideas with, with the person. And then we're simply pulling out the phrasing and the stories and, the, you know, and, and all the things that goes into that chapter 
from the person or simply sanding it down to where it's, where it's more interesting, it's phrased correctly, grammatically perfect, and meets that chapter's goals. And an AI, a bot can never do that. Just an AI, they, an AI may, able, may be able to kind of come up with some phrasing, but that thesis, they will under, understand the thesis. They will really understand how the rise and fall of how stories are, are written, what humans find interesting. And it, it, it may happen one day, but we're not there yet. I'm still thinking about this histogram of my phrasing. I don't. Th- I think I would be paralyzed if I saw that. I would just that would tip me over the edge. I would never be able to speak again. Never show me that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's um, you know, it's it, it's and that's the thing. It's it's not as as weighted as you would think. You know, in cryptography, when we're trying to hide things in in an encryption, we try to flatten out the histogram where everything that's encrypted looks exactly the same, as far as patterns are concerned. And you would be surprised that, you know, there's a skew of the, on the histogram that they kind of, there's maybe five or six phrases and words that constantly come back. It's, it's not as thick as you would think it would be. I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad because that was starting to <laughs> really hurt. So speaking about histograms and nerdology and NASA and cryptology, are you the guy that hit all the UFOs? No, definitely not. And I've, uh, okay, I've never seen anything, any, anything weird either. <laughs> but looking at as I said right at the beginning, coming from a technical background, a lot of technical people, they like to stay in the background. They don't really like, I'll tell you, here's a joke. What's the difference between an introverted developer and an extroverted developer? Uh, I don't think an extroverted developer exists, but what? Well, the extroverted developer looks at your shoes when you're speaking to him. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, let's move on. So, no, no, no. So, you okay. Know, so, so, so when I was, when I was very young, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. And when I was in my, say at 10 or 11, um, autism hadn't really been, um, classified in the same way it's classified today. I was by, by every measure when I was a child, uh, I, I think that, that you would call that a, at least a slight type of autism, right? Maybe the, the Asperger's side of autism. When I was 14, I was literally, I was petrified to talk to anybody. I could never make eye contact. When I was 14, my sadistic mother, I'm kidding. She's fine. She's awesome. She <laughs> enrolled me in, uh, in drama in high school. And I, so then for an hour a day for four years, I would basically do skits, which is the most terrifying thing in the history of terrifying things for someone who's an introvert. And I think I broke through whatever that is when I was 15, 16. So I have, I call it superpowers, which is, kind of that that I'm on the spectrum but I've kind of broken through that that ability to kind of speak and I've lost a lot of that fear all the fear that that kind of introverts typically have so I'm not like the, I'm not the average tech nerd in that I could be in a room full of double PhDs but the difference is I could actually explain their ideas back to them where they couldn't even explain their own ideas to someone else right so you still are a developer but you have a f- foot in another world now, really. And how have you found that transition? And what were the challenges with that? Because you're not finished yet. You're really just at the beginning of that journey. You've been in it for a couple of years now, but it's a very long life still to go if you're not yet 50. So what have been the challenges and, and what are you looking forward to continuing to grow? You know, when we were kind of, you know, when we really started kind of hitting our stride with this and we were interviewing, you know, these really interesting humans every single day. And when I was, when I was kind of deep uh, neck deep in technology, 
um, I would, it was just constant anxiety about, you know, due dates and deadlines and, and problem solving, which I, I love, but the problem is there's always this kind of bureaucracy. If you're doing it for a large corporation, there's always this bureaucracy and it takes forever to move, you know, with this new life, I can pivot on a dime, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, that's one of the advantages as far as the actual, the actual pivot itself. Uh, I couldn't, I, I, it was, it was very, it was natural for whatever reason because I was just so sick of technology and now I'm writing technology, but I'm doing it for this business. You know, I'm writing this, you know, work online workflow system that kind of creates, you know, allows the creation of these books. So I'm able to kind of do both without any of the, uh, the BS related to, you know, doing it for large corporations. So no, I, I it's, I'm in a different spot in a lot of ways, <laughs> but the most poignant is I wake up at 5 a.m., I run downstairs, I slurp down coffee, and I run as quick as I possibly can to the office. I, I really cannot wait to get to the office. Um, and that, that's, I guess, the biggest difference is I guess I've lost that passion technology-wise. I think that's an important thing for a lot of people to hear, especially people who, who are our kind of age. And they've always done what they've always done, and their identity is really tied up in, this is who I am, this is what I do. And I was speaking to someone right. earlier today who was, he was not in a good place, similar age to us. And he was worried that he might be about to lose his job. And I was thinking, you're not done. You could do anything you right. want at this stage. It's this, this whole thing of a lot of people overestimate what they can achieve in a short space of time, but completely underestimate what they can achieve in a longer space of time. Like five years, your life could be completely different if you're intentional about it. And I think you're a great example of that because if you're not happy with what you're doing, you're not stuck with it. You're not married yeah. to it. Nobody's job is your forever job. With a little bit of creativity and curiosity, you might know nothing about what your future life might look like today. You maybe knew nothing about writing or authorship five years ago. Today, you're an authority, literally. And I think that's a really important role model for people to see. So, so yeah, I have, I have a couple of points here. Um, so, Bob, how old are you? How old are you? I am forty-nine years old. Okay, so the average human lives to eighty-three or seventy-three, right? So, I don't know. Bob, I don't, there's I don't, a high probability you're going to be dead in less than thirty years. And anybody who doesn't think that there's a click that the, the the clock is ticking is not paying attention. Humans are terrible at at, at non-linear serialized kind of timelines, right? One year, five years, five years seems also almost insurmountable. We're terrible at large numbers, you know, and when there, there's a point in your life, you've got to say, look, I've only got 20 or 30 years left. Do you really want to be doing it, not running to the office? Do you really want to be doing it uh, miserable that you've got a boss that may fire you? Do you really want to have the last 30 years of your life that way? And it doesn't have to be that way. You can make a change. You can really pivot anytime you want, but there's, there's a fact we are all going to be dead at around 73 to 84. That's a fact. Time to make a change. If you're going to make a change, do it right now, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. TikTok. Uh, the, my grandmother used to say that um, it's later than you think. And I never understood what she meant by that because she died at 102. <laughs> it's never really too late for her, right? At 102, but it's later than you think. You know, we have, we have one life and it's, it's time to do the right thing. It's time to do the thing that makes you happy and, and do it right now. And I think that's a great place to bring things to an end. And you might not know what makes you happy today, but you need to go find out. I think that's so important. 
So what's next for you, Scott? What do you, what are you working on at the moment? If people are listening, thinking, how can I get in touch with you? How can I move forwards with you? How can I connect with you? How would you like them to do that? So um, I received the trademark, uh, the American trademark for the word bright ray uh, about nine years ago. So I've named every, every one of my, uh, my organizations is bright ray this and bright ray that. But if you go to brightray.com, that is where you can kind of read up on what we do and how we do it and also how you can get a hold of us. Um, you can also find me, just type my name into Google, Scott Terman, and, and Google will give you a thousand different ways to make an appointment with me, you know, or, or my team. As far as, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the time is now, you know, time is not a year from now or five years from now. The time is right now to write a book. It, it's not five years from now. And I think it's the door that can open a whole new life. I certainly know that from most of the authors that I know, it has been a life-changing event. It's why it's a top priority for me. And dear listeners, why it should be a top priority for you. Scott, you have been an awesome guest. I've learned so much. I've had great fun. And I look forward to speaking to you again. And hopefully I will get to Florida as soon as I possibly can because I love, I love the sunshine. But for now, thank you so much for your time. And yeah, speak to you again soon. Absolutely. It was lovely meeting you. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Also connect with me wherever you hang out. You'll find me on all the social platforms at Bob Gentle. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would make my day. And if you shared the show with a friend, you would literally make my golden list. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks to you for listening, and I'll see you next week.